Uh, let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, thank you for this day, and we, we anticipate another great day tomorrow. We ask, Lord, you'd help us to draw our hearts and our minds to the great love that you've poured out to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, please, please uh, save us from our tiredness and our apathy towards the message of Christmas. And Lord, help us to see afresh what great joy you've given to our world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Christmas gifts have been purchased and wrapped and placed under the tree, correct? Anyone nervous? <laughs> some sort of, sort of. Uh, who has done some of the... Who, who has, has bought at least one gift, purchased, wrapped and put under a tree? Okay, there's a few men. I can see a few men who put their hands up. Good job. Uh, I've done that. Um, I, I, most of my gifts that I've purchased have been done online. I've done a one, one or two um, shop retail things, but uh, it's been very interesting to just click a, a button on a mouse and, uh, and just get email notifications of how close this package is coming towards my house, and then eventually it's arriving today, and it comes and it appears at my doorstep, and I collect it. Uh, and then unbox it and then wrap it again and put it under the tree. It's the great big journey, and I see it coming from far, far off, uh, getting closer and closer and arrived, and it's wrapped and placed under the tree. This is the story of Luke chapter 2. The greatest Christmas gift, it's a bit cliche to say this, but it's the greatest Christmas gift of all time, was delivered to mankind and, and, and travelled by courier, not courier pigeon, Courier Mary, you know, like um, taken from a little town in, in Nazareth uh, all the way down to Bethlehem, the place where the Saviour was meant to be born. Uh, and this, the, this, the passage here in Luke 2, verses 1 to 7, reads like a series of unusual events, that it, was, it begins with Caesar Augustus, who makes a decision. He decides that there should be a census uh, of all the regions and everyone needs to go back to their hometown he decided that day and so everyone goes back and so under the sovereignty of God but the voice and command of Caesar Augustus Mary and Joseph leave their town in Nazareth and head to Bethlehem the city of David where the saviour was prophesied to be born it's uh, it be, the story begins in Luke 2 with a king named Caesar Augustus making his commands but actually above him and secretly, God is, is orchestrating everything. That the greatest gift to the world would be born this Christmas morning and delivered into Bethlehem. An unexpected package. Uh, the, the baby is um, delivered um, by a woman out of wedlock. Mystery surrounds that. We'll, we'll deal with that tomorrow. Those who come to church tomorrow uh, will hear about uh, how Joseph handled that news with Mary but but wrapped and placed in a manger heaven's son had arrived but who would know who would know that in the little town of Bethlehem in a manger the greatest gift to all mankind is just waiting there who would expect God's greatest gift to be found lying in an animal food trough that's not where you would expect it to be would it who would have who would have gone looking there who would expect the first people to be told about this good news were shift workers uh, working out in the fields at night, uh, tending their flocks. Well, the heavens open, wrapped and delivered. The heavens are open to declare this great news that's come. Uh, verse 8 and 9. 
uh, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. What a response. Um, that's, um, that makes perfect sense. When heaven breaks open and, uh, and there's a connection between heaven and earth, what is expected in the Bible is terror and fear uh, and, and anger. Uh, fear and, or even terror is the word that we use there, is the reaction to heaven and earth colliding. Um, Isaiah 64, uh, the prophet Isaiah proclaimed, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, and that the, that the mountains would tremble before you. There's an anticipation in the Old Testament that when God, when, when God peels open the veil of heaven and the two connect, that there is fear and trembling and terror, just like what was displayed at the top of Mount Sinai that day when God uh, appeared to Moses and in the earshot of all of Israel. There is thunder and lightning, and it was very, very, very terrifying. That was Isaiah 64. That you would re- his anticipation was that, that God would tear open, open heaven and come down and there would be shocking uh, display of terror and lightning. In Isaiah 6, the same Isaiah says, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Do you see why there would be an an expectation of terror and fear when heaven reveals itself is is because of the great chasm between mankind and God, that he is holy and and righteous and there is no darkness in him, but we are full of sin and and stained uh, with disobedience, rebelliousness. We are not at peace with God by nature. And so when, the, when Isaiah pictures even a glimpse of the holiness of God, there's terror in him, and that's what we get from the shepherds. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Heaven had opened up. But the chasm, the great gap between us and God that's created by sin, our rebelliousness before God, that great chasm which ought to bring terror before us, is not what we experienced at the first Christmas. In fact, when they, when they uh, were terrified in verse 9, verse 10 opens up with the angels saying to them, do not be afraid. The great chasm is about to be bridged. The great chasm between God and man is about to be closed by the Son of God himself because what the angels bring to the shepherds is good news. This is not terrifying news. This is wonderful news. And so what do they say to him? What, do they, what, do the angels, what does the angel say to them? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. That's the great news. It's good news. God has come down. Uh, the prophecies that left, that closed the Old Testament off, have now been awakened with the actual coming of the Messiah. God himself is coming, not in wrath and anger, but wrapped in a manger. Extremely different. What Isaiah anticipated, what the, what the shepherds feared, has been calmed with this message of joy and peace because God doesn't come with, hasn't come to us to smite us and to destroy us and to cast us aside, but he's come for mercy 
and for reconciliation so that this chasm would be bridged, the chasm would be closed and that we would have peace with God. It's great news. It's good news that brings great joy for all the people who would lean in and listen. Great joy for all. The world has been, has been living in darkness since Genesis chapter 3. There's a that curious, you've heard this before, I'm sure, but yeah, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, there's this curious line that God walked in the, in the garden in the cool of the day. There was this moment in history where God and, and man dwelt together. It seemed quite natural. But something changed that day because Adam and Eve had disobeyed God. They'd done something so simple as reaching out and taking some fruit, but it was so disastrous because it meant the very first act of rebellion against God who was good, God is their creator and their ruler. And ever since then, there's been that, that chasm, that darkness on the earth until this day when, God, when God's footprint is placed on earth in the form of a baby who grew up to be a man. The light has come into the world. He's described there by the angels to the shepherds as the saviour. A saviour has been born to you. He's the saviour because man cannot save himself. People, cannot, humans cannot save themselves. We have rebelled against God. We can't fix that. There's no amount of works that we can do to make ourselves right with God again. And friends, this is something that we, we need to say this almost every Sunday because deep in our hearts we have this inkling that we can actually be good enough for God. That somehow the Santa list of naughty and nice is, is actually good theology. That although you've done some bad things, you've just got to outweigh it with the good. But friends, that is not what the message of Christmas is. The message of Christmas is that this chasm cannot be bridged by us. It has to be bridged by God himself. And that's why this is great joy for all to hear. He is not the judge that was born. He's not even the, the wise man who's come to earth to just show us the better way, to, to, to show us how to turn the other cheek, to show us how to love our neighbour. Although he says these wise and gracious things to us, he has come first and foremost to usher in the kingdom of God and to do that by dying on the cross. This baby born in the manger is going to grow up and carry a cross into Jerusalem and hang there and one day cry out in a loud voice, it is finished. It is finished. That, that gap between God and man has been bridged and only achieved by the birth of Jesus. The shepherds are also told that the king is born. And my mind goes to a very famous Colin Buchanan song, The King is Born. The king is born, the king is born. Shepherds told the king is born that very first Christmas. This is the news that they're not serving under human authority, they are serving under God's authority and he has come to dwell with them, God with us, Emmanuel. God's entered our world. Friends, I, I try really hard to get amazed at this every Christmas and uh, I'm, I'm trying to amaze you this Christmas that God became one of us. You know, the Bible says this is how we know that God loved us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is amazing. That is incredible. Our God is not a God full of terror and horror and judgment. He is a God of mercy and peace and graciousness. But he does that not by turning the other cheek and letting us get away scot-free. 
He does that by sending his one and only son into the world to save sinners. Isn't this good news? Isn't this great news? Isn't this the news that ought to carry us into the 25th of December? And as we meet with our family and friends over these uh, next couple of days, even over into the New Year's period, isn't this the news that we need to cling on to and hold on to? Uh, our, our world is, sm- is smothering us with materialism and we need to overpower that message by hearing the gospel again and again and again. But how do we do that? What's missing? What maybe is, what do we find hard? What do I find hard? in grasping this message of joy and owning it and loving it. I wonder if it's because it's somehow abstract, that it's a, me- it's a story on a page that happened 2,000 years ago, and how does it impact us today? Well, I think the next part of this story with the shepherds helps us because they're not told just to sit back and, l- and listen to the proclamation of the angels. They're told to do something. They're told to step out and, and do something, and they're, to- they're given a sign... And the sign is a baby in a manger. Verse 12 says, this, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And in verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's, ha- that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They were given a sign. It's a very simple sign. There's going to be a baby wrapped and lying in a manger. Uh, you know, we've got, to be, we've got to understand that this was not a common feature in, in Israel, that, you know, that people were wrapping their kids in, in, uh, in cloth and lying in mangers all the time. It was just uh, what they did. But friends, when Mary and Joseph arrived in Bethlehem, in the city of their, home, of their relatives, they've come looking for a bed and not one of their relatives was willing to, to give their bed for a pregnant woman. Can you imagine that? You know, I think we've um, hidden the message here in thinking that there was just so full, so busy, that there was no room for them, but one innkeeper was so lovely to them. I want to suggest that their relatives wanted to shun the couple who had a baby out of wedlock and, uh, and the least they could do was give them an animal food trough to put that baby in, that baby. This is the world that God has entered into and this is the sign that you're going to find a baby lying where animals eat their food. That's the lowliness of the Lord Jesus Christ who's coming to the world. But that's the sign. It's a simple sign, but it's clear. They're going to go into Bethlehem and they're not going to find three babies lying in a manger. They're going to find one baby lying in a manger. The world is going to sing about this sign for centuries to come, away in a manger. It sounds lovely, doesn't it? It sounds so romantic, but it's horrible. The world's going to sing away in a manger... No crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus lays down his sweet head. The humbleness of God displayed from the very first day. The, the shepherds are told about a sign. What's our sign, though? We're not like the shepherds. We don't have a manger to go to. We have it in the scriptures. We can go to the word of God and hear this testimony that has been recorded faithfully for us, and we can, understand, we can enter the story and be wrapped up by, by what's happening there. 
But our sign, what's our sign that we go to, to respond to that God is coming to the world to save sinners? I want to suggest that the sign for us is the resurrected Lord Jesus. It's the empty tomb is our sign. You know, historians have looked at that that period 2,000 years ago and and famously said there's a resurrection-shaped dent in history. Something remarkable happened after the death of Jesus. It's it's, it's historically um, established that Jesus lived and died. No No historian doubts that. And then very, very, very soon after his death, something remarkable happened that changed the course of history. That, that you and I know has changed the course of history. Our calendar changed because of it. Something happened three days after Jesus' death, and it was the resurrection. We don't know where Jesus' gravestone is, but there's a couple of guesses if you were to go to the, to the Holy Lands. No one knows because no one put an X there and said, oh, that's the sacred burial ground of our, of our saviour. No, our sign, friends, is that Jesus has no graveyard. Jesus has no gravestone because he is the risen Lord Jesus. He is the, he is the one who lives today and reigns in heaven. So the, the shepherds were given a sign. I think we've, we've been given a sign. Our life hinges on the fact that Jesus rose to life again. And the shepherds are told to go to Bethlehem, and so they go. Let's go and see, they said. And the birth of Jesus requires a response for us not to just come to church and hear the story then go away and forget it like a fool no we're we embrace it and understand it and love the um, respond to the love of God that he has sent his son into the world they the shepherds were told to go they they went and they saw with their, their own eyes they were affected by the message um, and uh, they found that everything was there just as they had been told Verse 20 is their response to that, which, uh, which was just as they had been told. You see, God's word, the Bible, is not unordered mayhem. It's not just random ideas that are thrown at us that we can flick anywhere in the Bible and go, oh, that's a lovely verse. No, it is a story that unfolds and finds its culmination in the coming of the Lord Jesus who came to save us from our sins. We have been told that the Saviour was coming. We were told that the King was coming. We were told that when the when the descendant of David comes, he'll be the forever king. All of the ingredients are mapped out for us in the Bible. And friends, we, I feel blessed, and I think you should feel blessed, that we live in a time on planet Earth where Jesus has already come, that he's laid down his life on the cross, that he's risen to life again, and we are anticipating and looking forward to his return. It did, they, the, the, uh, the shepherds don't stop there. They heard the message. They were told about the sign. They were told to go and see. They saw and they responded and their joy overflowed with spreading the word. Friends, if you have come to Jesus and seen that the Lord is good, then uh, and the good news that brings joy to all is good news to you and joy to you, then we're to spread the word, aren't we? We're to spread the word. Cameron prayed that we'd have boldness to speak to our neighbours, to speak to our family. And I nodded at that. I'm sitting there going, yes, Cameron, thank you. Amen. I need to, I need to have boldness that another Christmas to just, to just talk naturally about God. Don't put on your religious hat and go religious on your family, but just talk naturally because Jesus is your Lord. 
He means everything to you. And uh, after Christmas, we'll have a week, and we'll go into the New Year's period, and then 2024 will roll around. And friends, when we get together again in 2024, we're going we're gonna to spread the word. We're going to invite people to meet Jesus. As we do church in 2024, we are the people who have met, who have met the, the, the Lord Jesus in our hearts and in his word, and we want to proclaim to all of Kingswood and Belong and beyond that this church is filled with joy because God came into the world. Well, I don't want to end just there because heaven has opened up and rather than terror, we have good news of great joy. And the shepherds were told to go and see that what God has, has, uh, has predicted and planned has actually happened. So they went to the town of David. They saw the baby wrapped in the manger just as they'd been told. And they were filled with joy and they went and told everyone. But there's one last thing to draw out of this little passage. And that is, who got excited first about the good news? Who, was the, who got excited first about the good news? It was actually the angels. I find this peculiarly joyful. Uh, they shout out, glory to God in the highest. It's, uh, it's in verse uh, 12, uh, 13 and 14. Suddenly, not just one angel, but a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. So I find this tremendously encouraging because the, Jesus didn't come into the world to save the angels or the heavenly hosts. They are amazed at the greatness of God because they see the love of God who had come into the world to save you and I. This is like a third, this is like a, a third party. It's not just God and mankind. This is now the, the heavenly hosts proclaiming, look at how good God is. He is incredible. Glory to God in the highest heavens. And that's the, how we are to respond to God, to worship him. Not to just acknowledge mathematically that this is historical and I give my life to Jesus and that's great, but actually to bow down and worship him, to give thanks and praise on a daily basis that God, our God, loves us so much that he would create us and that's worthy of our praise, but then he would save us. And that's worthy of all praise. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And then they say, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. And we, we'd be filled with joy if you have come to Jesus and found that peace with God as God has bridged the chasm and not come down in anger and wrath, but, in, but wrapped in a manger, meek and mild, ready to give his life for you so that you can give your life to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for entering this world. We thank you for the scriptures that have been left behind for us to look at, to marvel at, and to learn from. And we pray, dear Lord, that you'd fill our hearts with joy, knowing that you have conquered sin, that you've sent Jesus into the world to save us. I pray, dear Lord, for all of us here present today, that you would help us to give our life to you because you are worthy of all praise and honour. Glory to you, our Lord and God in the highest heaven. And we thank you, Lord, for peace, able to uh, be claimed by us when we come to Jesus Christ for forgiveness. We ask, Lord, you'd be with us over these next few days. Help us to open our, mind, open our eyes, open our mouths, and to speak plainly and clearly about what Jesus means to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
God in the highest indeed. In fact, let's close by saying those words of the angels uh, from Luke 2 together. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace for those on whom his favour rests. Amen. Amen. Reminder, uh, carols and readings, 5pm tonight and uh, Christmas Day service, 9am tomorrow.